Well, friends, we have been in a series called The Jesus Story, and we have been using this Bible, the Jesus Storybook Bible, as our text for the entire series. But before we get started, there are some things happening in this world that I wonder if we take some time to pray into. So you already introduced yourself since I jumped the gun on that, and I'm really sorry about that. Um, But I wondered if we could turn to those around us, and could we pray for what's happening in Israel right now, for what's happening around the world right now? Can we take a few moments and as a church family pray together? So go ahead, find a group of people, and we're going to spend a few moments praying in and over our world. Prince of Peace, will you bring peace? God of healing, will you bring healing? Our refuge, our strength, our fortress, our firm foundation our ever-present help in trouble. Will you meet? Will you be with? Will you surround? And will you protect? Come, Lord Jesus. Break through and break in today. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I said, we've been in a series called The Jesus Story. And we have been looking throughout the Bible for the places and the spaces where Jesus' name is whispered. So it's pretty obvious in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus' name is not only whispered, it is exclaimed for all to hear, but there are other threads of who Jesus is from the Old Testament all the way to the end of the New. And today we are going to pick up our story exactly where Aubrey left off. If you remember, Aubrey shared the story of the unwanted sister, Leah. Leah was a wife to a man named Jacob. She was unwanted, unloved, and she lived in a marriage that was loveless and painful because the truth was Jacob only wanted her little sister. But he was tricked into marrying Leah. But God had a plan for Leah. In her unwantedness by her husband, he, God, made a nation that would eventually start the 12 tribes of Israel. However, Leah was very, very fertile and could have lots and lots of kids, and she had lots and lots of sons. Rachel, the prized and favored wife, couldn't have any until all of a sudden she had one, and eventually two. And his name was Joseph. Joseph was named Joseph because it meant increase. 
And if you remember from when Aubrey shared last week, names not only were given by parents because they thought they sounded nice like we do today, they had a prophetic prayer that they were asking the Lord. So when Rachel named Joseph Increase, she was crying out to the Lord, please let me have more kids. Increase my ability to have more kids. And she sat there and she waited. Joseph was the most prized child, even though he was the second youngest. So back in biblical times, usually the oldest son would have this favor upon him. He would have specific blessings prayed over him. He would get specific things within his family, with inheritance. But Joseph was the one that Jacob could not resist. In Genesis 37, it says, Israel, Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the child of his old age. And he made him an elaborately embroidered coat. And when his brothers realized that their father loved him more than them, they grew to hate him. And they wouldn't even speak to him. Joseph, being favored, was a cause of tension, which we can only imagine for his brothers. Reuben, the oldest, should have been favored, but Joseph, the second youngest, was the favored one. He got the better gifts. He got the special privileges. It wasn't just in his brother's imaginations. Have you guys ever had that when you had siblings, when you were like, I'm pretty sure mom and dad loved that one more? It was real. It was obvious. And his brothers were not pleased. As the brothers were living in this reality, Joseph starts to have these dreams about all of them bowing down to him. So not only is he favored, now he's having dreams about ruling over them. Well, the brothers very much thought they needed to put Joseph in his place. Joseph is entitled, they thought, unstoppable, untouchable. And no one was going to change this reality unless they did. And they needed Joseph to learn his lesson. It was at this very point that the brothers decided to take matters into their own hand. And they were tired of the situation. So they did what all of us would probably never want to do. They wanted their brother dead. They hated him. They were tired of being forgotten, unseen, unwanted, unknown by their dad. And they were convinced the only way to take care of that was to take care of Joseph. See, the truth is, nowadays, as much as we use the word love, we use the word hate, right? We freely use it. I hate ice cream, or at least this kind. I hate that team. I hate that candidate. I hate those people who think, fill in the blank. I hate this outfit. I hate that artist. I hate this school. I hate, I hate, I hate. But did you know when we say I hate, we're actually saying I want to kill? And no matter how much we dislike something, hate turns us into murderers. And the hatred of Joseph's brothers 
had done exactly that. They wanted him dead. The interesting thing, though, is that one of his brothers, actually the one who should have been the prized and favored oldest son, couldn't stand the idea of killing Joseph. So instead, he convinced the rest of his brothers to sell him into slavery. And then they sacrificed an animal, and they killed the animal, and they put blood all over Joseph's beautiful coat and brought it to their dad to fake the death of Joseph in hopes that their dad would start paying attention to them and forget about Joseph because enough was enough. They needed to be seen by their father. So they sold Joseph into slavery, a slave to one of Pharaoh's officials. Being a pharaoh in Egypt is just like being a king, just another word. And God protects Joseph in the midst of it. Because the truth was, the brothers knew that if you were a slave, you weren't going to live very long. Life was way too hard. It was way too extreme. You weren't going to be treated, fed, or taught the things that would make you live. But God protected Joseph, and he makes a way for him, and he finds favor with the official. The official actually invites Joseph to live with him, a slave, to live with him in his nice, nice house. But the official's wife thinks Joseph is very handsome, very, very strong, and she wants Joseph more than a slave that works in her house. She makes passes at Joseph all the time. But Joseph, as a man of integrity, continuously refuses her propositions. And this makes her mad. And she makes up a lie, and Joseph ends up in jail. Years go by, and Joseph sits in jail and watches people come and go, but the Lord is still with him. The Lord shows him kindness and grants him favor. And before you know it, Joseph is put in charge of the jail and the prison and everyone that's there. And Joseph continues to bring his full self into each situation and brings awareness to the power and authority of God when all of a sudden, Joseph, who was criticized by his brothers for his dreams, began interpreting dreams for the people within the prison. Well, one day, Pharaoh has some very disturbing dreams. And he can't sleep anymore. And he has to know what they mean. And so he asks anyone in the kingdom, please help me. Will you help me understand these dreams? They don't seem like a coincidence. They feel like something big was happening. And no one can interpret them. But there was a guy who was in prison with Joseph, who remembers that Joseph was in prison still. And he tells Pharaoh, well, there was this one time that I met this man in prison who can interpret dreams. And so Pharaoh sends for him. And God uses Joseph. Joseph brings understanding to Pharaoh's dreams. And God was preparing Pharaoh for what was about to happen in their land. 
God brought favor to Joseph. And Pharaoh promoted Joseph to be in charge of all of Egypt. Joseph the slave was now Joseph the overseer of Egypt. Joseph, the beloved son, robed in glory, hated by his brothers, was destined to rule. I want us to take a moment now and turn to those around us. What sticks out to you from Joseph's story? Ready, set, go. Okay, so let's hear from some people. What sticks out to you from Joseph's story? Anyone? Be brave. We're all family, right? Go for it. Yes. Yes, that Joseph was in prison for a really long time and had a lot of hard situations, and then he still continued to wait and trust and believe. Thank you. Anyone else? Go for it. Whiplash. Whiplash. It feels like that, doesn't it? Thank you. Anyone else? Well, one of my first interactions with Joseph's story was, are you ready for it? Joseph and the amazing Technicolor dream coat. And my family went to it when I was in fifth grade. My parents got us the tickets. We went to the Chicago Theater, and we were going to go see Donnie Osmond be Joseph. <laughs> and there are two things I remember. First, his coat was spectacular. It had glitter and shine in so many colors. When he twirled all the color, maybe guys don't twirl, sorry, spin all the colors. Yeah, that's probably true. Spin all the colors would show and fan out. It was amazing. I also remember that there was a song that was sung over and over and over again. Don't judge the singing, but I'm going to try to sing it for a piece of it for you. Go, 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 Joseph, you know what they say. Hang on now, Joseph, you'll make it someday. Sha-la-la, Joseph, you're still in your prime. You and your dream code ahead of your time. That song was sung so many times throughout the entire musical that I still will remember it. Anyone says Joseph's name and immediately I'm like, go, 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 Joseph, you know, and it goes on and on because after every piece of suffering, when he was sold into slavery, go, 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 Joseph, you know what they say, or when he became all of a sudden, he was in prison, go, 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 Joseph, my voice is getting worse, you know what they say, and all over, over and over and over, they sing this song as if God is reminding Joseph, don't be discouraged in this moment because I have something bigger for you than this moment. So that's my first interaction with Joseph. It was Joseph in the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat starring Donny Osmond on Broadway. But I think one of the things that now sticks out to me in Joseph's story is how Joseph keeps pressing on. Joseph allowed God to define each trial. Joseph allowed God to have the final word in each situation. 
No matter how tricky or how sticky it felt, he trusted God. And he trusted that God was trustworthy. The other part that's interesting to me is that Joseph stayed with a soft heart. Joseph stayed focused on the one true God. If you open your Bible, not the kid one, but a regular Bible, you will see over and over and over again how God is kind to Joseph, how God reveals himself to Joseph, and how the relationship thrives. If it, this is me talking in this moment, but I wish more than anything that they would just tell us how. But it's just these drop-in verses throughout every piece of Joseph's story. God was kind. I want to know what Joseph did. God loved Joseph, and that was enough. Joseph believed that he was the beloved and that each suffering had a purpose and that God would exchange suffering for joy, even if it took years upon years upon years. And friends, that's really hard for me to understand. Because the truth is, probably one of my biggest idols is safety and security. Anything that causes pain, distress, or hardship immediately makes me feel like I'm suffering and I immediately get discouraged and I believe that somehow God is not with me or that God is not for me or that God has no purpose in this and this can't be God's will for my life and so God obviously won't be found in it. And when I become impatient, then I start to try to take control and I try to make a way for me when God is saying, do you see me? Do you hear me? I eventually begin to divert my eyes from the Lord and his path and his will. And I start looking anywhere and everywhere else, hoping that something else will bring clarity to the suffering or at least help me forget the suffering for a little bit. But Mike this week, my husband, there's a lot of Mikes I need to clarify. My husband, Mike, this week, asked me if I had watched a video by Shiloh Buff. Is that how you say his name? Shiloh. Shiloh, yep. And he had this encounter with the Lord, and he was talking about suffering. And so I watched the video, and, he, and Shiloh was talking specifically about how joy can be brought into the purposefulness of suffering. And that suffering is an opportunity for us to experience God. But even then, the truth is, suffering's hard. But maybe instead of suffering being considered a curse, or maybe instead of suffering leading me to complaining, or suffering leading me to comparing, thinking, well, my suffering's less than their suffering, or their suffering is less than my suffering, and so one of our sufferings is worse. Or maybe instead of suffering leading me to a cold heart, what if suffering actually provided me new freedom and new power in Christ? See, I think Joseph's story is full of new freedom and new power in Christ. And Joseph's suffering led him closer to a creator 
that he knew. The creator. And ultimately, Joseph ends up looking like Jesus. Because on this side of heaven, suffering's inevitable, and God isn't creating suffering for us, but God is the only way out and through suffering. I think the thing that I've realized in reading and sitting with Joseph's story is what we feed ourselves is the thing that actually matters in the midst of suffering. So yes, Joseph did not have TV. He did not have a cell phone. He did not have social media. But those are the things my attention goes to. Or games, or food. Sometimes for us it can be alcohol, it can be other people, it can be shopping. You can fill in the blank. Our sufferings turn us to a lot of different things in hopes to make us feel better. But the truth is, in each moment that I turn to something else, then I'm actually missing an opportunity to experience and encounter more of who God is. Suffering gives us the opportunity to push in and to listen more closely and to depend on the Lord differently. Suffering allows us to stay, to stay in that moment and to say to the Lord, I trust you. Even if I don't understand what's happening, I trust you, Lord. Did you know that Joseph's story is the very ending of the book of Genesis? It's the very last story. And we get to see him meet, save, and see his own family. The same family that sold him into slavery and believed that he would die because he was a slave. The same family that had no idea that Joseph would go through a resurrection and then ascend into a position in which would allow him to care for his family and make a way for his family. The same family that ends up bowing before Joseph as they find out it was their brother that had made a way for them to survive. The same family that approached their brother, and believed that their brother had every right to treat them as bad as they had treated him. And Joseph looks at them, and he says, don't be afraid. I am in the place. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them, and he spoke kindly to them. Does this story at all sound familiar? I was practicing this message at home a few times this past week and weekend, and I said that part. So it was, like a, it was like a question I'm just asking in my sermon, right? And my youngest goes, well, it's Jesus. And it is. The parallels between Joseph and Jesus' life are so similar. I mean, you could literally draw these parallels and say, is it the same person? What's happening? 
And I love that we're in this series together because the truth is, I had never noticed that before. I had never realized how much Joseph's story is Jesus' story and how much we got a foreshadowing of what was going to happen with Jesus because of Joseph. I love the new revelation we've been able to experience together. I love that we get to see the truth of who God is and we get to understand his true heart. Because when we read the Bible chronologically only, as in from Genesis to Revelation, we can get stuck in the Old Testament and think God is only judgmental, only angry, that he only wants to see people suffer. But when we begin to look for the threat of Jesus, we begin to see that actually the only way we're going to actually get to know the true heart of God is we have to look at Jesus. And once we understand and get to know Jesus, then we're going to get to know the heart of God because it's the same person. So friends, we started our moment together praying for Israel. Who is suffering? But the truth is, there are quite a few of us who are also suffering. And if there's one thing I know is I can't compare what my suffering is to what your suffering might be. Because although I might have just a little scratch and you might have a gouging wound, that doesn't mean our sufferings, one is better or worse than the other. It means we're suffering. And it means that God wants to be near. And so in closing today, we're going to sing a song called New Wine. And this song is an offering song in the midst of suffering. It starts by saying, in the crushing and in the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil I now surrender, you are breaking new ground. So I yield to you into your careful hand. When I trust you, I don't need to understand. As this song is sung today, I want to invite us into what may feel like a really vulnerable moment. Because the truth is, whether we are suffering now, we have in the past, or we will be in the future. And so I want to invite us up to take a grape. And when you bite into that grape or allow that grape to crush into your mouth, would you just pray this simple prayer? Lord, I trust you. Because sometimes when things are crushing, it's hard to say that. And sometimes when things are going not as we planned, not as we intended, it's hard to recognize that. And so my hope for us, my prayer for us, is that this would be a moment of surrender and consecration before the Lord. That we would invite him into the places and spaces because I believe that God wants to redefine some of our suffering moments and help us to see where he was, is, and continues to be. And I believe that God wants to meet us kindly today. So that's our invitation. At any point in the song or after, would you consider coming forward and crushing a grape with me?
But before we do that, would you pray with me? Father, thank you for being present. Thank you for being patient. Thank you for not being angry. Thank you for being full of love. Today, Lord, we want to experience you. So come, Lord Jesus, meet us here today. Meet us here as a church family. In Jesus' name, amen.